Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's Season 1, Episode 21, starring the swinging and chic Twiggy! It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Yay! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here this week, as we are every week, to discuss another episode of The Muppet Show. Jade, why don't you kick us off with a little production information? I shall, Lewis. So, this episode was originally broadcast on the 19th of December 1976, making it technically the Christmas episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I suppose we get a we get a sense of that with Wayne and Wanda. Um <laughs> Lewis is rolling his eyes for the listeners at home. (laughs) Um, The production code lists it as the 21st episode made and therefore Disney Plus have included it as episode 21. And as always, it was written by Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell and directed by Peter Harris. I mean, I assume that most people listening to this probably need no introduction to the wonderful Twiggy, but Emma enlighten us further about uh, the the icon who is Twiggy. Yeah, so as you just said, Jade, Twiggy is an icon. Um, she is a model, foremost. She is an actress, a singer, a British cultural icon. And <laughs> I would probably say her moment where she burst onto the scene um, was in the 60s. And we had the like iconic Twiggy face with the eyelashes and the hair She's been in the fashion industry for over 50 years. She's been in the uh, film version of The Boyfriend. She's been photographed by the world's top fashion photographers. Like you said, she is iconic. She is. And isn't it a shame to waste her in what I think might be one of the worst half an hours of television I've ever seen? <laughs> it's bizarre. I do not understand why you would have Twiggy... And then you'd make her do this. Like, what? <laughs> it was so bizarre. Like, it was like some 70s children psychedelic oh, TV God. show. Like, it was insane. Oh. It was so weird. It was like the lack of interaction she had with the Muppets as well. It almost felt like they'd gone, oh, it's Twiggy. We need to, like, put her on a platform. We need to give her the space to shine. And then they were like, okay, so we'll do that by stepping away from like, you know, and we'll we'll have our own little thing going on and we'll introduce Uncle Deadly and we'll do all of that. And then Twiggy can just be over here singing some songs and that's it. That's the episode. See you later, folks. It was so I mean, strange. I, I don't know if it was just me, but did you guys realise that she did songs? Like she had loads of records out. And uh, when I was reading up her biography, she was probably on the Muppets at that point because mm. she was promoting her records. Yeah. I had no idea. Uh, I only knew that she had done Broadway. And I only knew that because I listened to an interview with Twiggy on Table Manners, uh, Jesse Ware's podcast. And that was the really first time I discovered, I knew she'd acted in things, but I didn't realise she had been a, a musical actress. And when I heard, oh, she's been on Broadway, I was a bit like, oh, is it kind of like when they had Catherine Hepburn playing Coco <laughs> Chanel in a musical where it's like, they just sort of shout the songs or Lauren Bacall in the uh, musical adaption of All About Eve. So I was pleasantly surprised to find out she can actually sing. Uh, so it's not surprising that they also got her to 
hustle out some records as well, as is the want of the 1970s. <laughs> Considering they can get Robin the Frog to uh, number seven in the UK <laughs> charts, seven. they might as well give they might as well give <laughs> Twiggy a, a record deal. Hey, but when you think about what number seven would have actually meant in oh yes, sold it, units, sold financial units in the 70s, ka-ching. you might as well give Twiggy a song, multiple songs. Robin bought an entire housing estate with the money <laughs> from that from those record sales. Yeah, um, I did know Twiggy could sing. I do not know exactly why I knew that. Maybe I'd seen it in like a documentary about the 60s and 70s or something, maybe. But I was expecting, I guess I was expecting more like the talk spot or maybe her to be involved in the backstage runner somewhere or something. I was quite shocked that, I mean, I, I we had the A.A. Milne poem, didn't we? Christ. But in a way that was, oh, I quite enjoyed that. Oh, we'll <laughs> get didn't... to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> do you know, if I'm honest... I kind of want us to sort of start so we can get through this. <laughs> I get can't believe I'm actually about to spend some time of my life on this earth discussing this episode. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, show my hand too quickly, but this is not going to be Rita Moreno will sleep easy tonight knowing that she's <laughs> But she shall not be bothered by Twiggy on The Muppet Show. She'll sleep easy with her EGOT. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a reason Twiggy didn't EGOT with this episode. Um... If anything, I feel like Twiggy should have been, well, no, not personally Twiggy, <laughs> to be stripped of any awards she had already had, because she's perfectly fine. But I feel like somebody should be punished for this. I don't know who. Do you know what I think this smacked of to me? Desperation? Tiredness? Well, a come down. I think it's it's 21 episodes into the season. They know they've got a handful to go. And I think it's just run out of ideas. And I think, and again, I, I'm not trying to jump ahead and we should just dive in. But I think to me, it was almost, that was almost summarised in the ballroom because you suddenly had proper Muppets in the ballroom sketch. And it was like, oh my God, we've completely run out of ideas of what to do Mm. with this damn thing we have to do every week. Oh, let's just put Kermit and Sam the Eagle and we'll have Statler and Waldorf back and stuff. And it, you know, it just, the whole thing just felt to me like they completely run out of ideas. Yeah. But... Yeah, let's let's get into let's it because get, I'm, I'm with you, Lewis. To, like, to quote Ginger Minge from All Stars Two or Three, okay, racists, let's get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> this opening number dance. As always, I watched the episode twice, but this is a last minute recording. I cannot believe you watched this twice. Lewis, I put myself through it the second time, hoping that there was going to be something slightly more to cling on to. There isn't. No one else needs to watch it twice. Do not put yourselves through this. You couldn't even pay me to watch this again. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) So anyway, I watched this first on my lunch break and I sat there and I thought to myself, this is the last thing I want to be watching in the middle of the day, 
in the middle of the week <laughs> when I'm completely stone cold sober and I've come from work and I'm going to go back to work in a minute. Oh, my life. I think I actually wrote down. Yeah, I did. I wrote down, oh my God, why am I watching this on my lunch break? I'm going to need a lie down. It just, it, felt, it was, oh. It felt very hallucinogenic. I felt yes. like it was something that I would see projected on a wall at a club night. Yep, 100%. Something ironically 70s and they'd have this in a bunch of other stock mm. footage just playing silently on the wall. Yep. I didn't dislike it. And I've got to say, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, maybe they're going to do a little throwback, you know, early 70s, 60s style episode for Twiggy. You know, evoke her, well, I don't want to say heyday, she was obviously still doing very well, but evoke her first coming to prominence, I guess. Yeah. And so I, at this point, I was still foolishly optimistic about what the episode (laughs) may bring. I also couldn't get out of my head that the lead singer looked a lot like, I cannot remember his name, the backwards U-shaped monster from Monsters University that Mike and Sully live with. Oh, yeah. Is it art? I'll go with that. I couldn't be bothered to look it up. But um, <laughs> that's, that's what I was getting. And I thought that was a cute enough, fun little fuzzy one-off Muppet. Oh, no, I was a bit disturbed that it was basically just like a pink fluffy pom-pom with this big mouth. I was sort of getting suckered into the mouth and just like, I don't know. But the whole thing, I mean, I was just really disappointed at like the lack of Muppet artistry in it. Like the the dodgy green screen effect was was poor and I didn't understand why they didn't use the black lighting which they've used to such great effect previously Mm. and then also and i get this because obviously it was kind of rudimentary tech at the time but you could see the sticks yeah you edited out the sticks i i just found the whole thing just like completely like you said lewis i was like oh my god i think i should be on drugs to watch this to appreciate this fully but also like it's not even proficient enough for me to be like oh well at least they did a good job in that way oh i don't know i was thoroughly thoroughly disappointed by the whole endeavor (laughs) yeah i was was thoroughly disappointed by the whole endeavor (laughs) emma uh i'm guessing maybe you felt the same yeah uh... (laughs) i think i'm gonna join the disappointed train (laughs) choo 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 (laughs) emma famous uh hallucinogen taker she'll be able to give us (laughs) an insight into (laughs) she actually watched it the correct way Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree with you both. It was just such a shame that we've had some really good openers recently. And then this, I literally wrote down Duster Monster, Trip, Psychedelic, Feather Boas, (laughs) 70s, what? (laughs) What? What? So yeah, it was, um, there was no artistry there either. It was just, it was a shame to be completely honest. I um, I, I do want to move on quickly because that's more than enough time spent on this. But I did want to let you both know that uh, this song, I looked it up because I had no idea what it was. And the album that it's come from by Paul Jabara, Wikipedia told me that it's yet to be re-released on CD. <laughs> I think that tells you everything. <laughs> I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> I loved that. I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> Yet to be re-released on CD. It's like vinyl only, and if you really want it that bad, you're gonna have to go and find it. Oh dear. I do just want to shout out 
the little moment once they came off stage and that pink toothy monster had a gorgeous southern bell <laughs> voice. <laughs> like it just come off of doing a regional production of a streetcar named Desire and had gone back to its nightclub gig. <laughs> I thought that was charming. And then it all plummeted. <laughs> so this week we get a runner that the Muppet Theatre is haunted not by the ghosts nope. who were just there mere Not weeks the ago in the Vincent Price episode, but the Phantom of the Muppet Theatre. I, so, I will say right off the bat, I actually really enjoyed Uncle Deadly in this, but essentially all of the stuff running up to when he properly got first introduced... I found so repetitive and not funny in the slightest and felt just like so first draft, you know, like Hilda saying, oh, I saw someone and he was so ugly. I thought it was Gonzo. Gonzo. Hey, it was me. Like, it's like, what? It's just like, how is this at this point in the show when we've had genuine character development, when we've had genuinely funny runners and, you know, things that have really felt like they've sort of moving the story along. How is this what we're getting? I was so disappointed in the runner. It's like they had forgotten they'd basically done a Halloween episode yeah. two weeks ago and just did it again. But to diminishing returns hmm. and far lazier and with far less artistry. And also, don't they already know who Uncle Deadly is? Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, he was in the Vincent Price episode, but I don't know. Emma, what did you... We've, re- <laughs> We've really got so little yeah, to no, I know. I just thought... draw upon I mean, or analyse. I think it could have been really good. Like, it could have been a really good premise and I think they could have done a lot more with it because, like you said, some of the previous runners we've had have been really, really good. It just felt like they were dialing in. I mean, Wanda got a bit more screen time, so I'm sure she's quite happy with that. Um, <laughs> oh, and she made the she most made of the her life. She, she did f- a turn and she did a faint. <laughs> she did. <laughs> to the wall, to the yeah, balcony. She knows her Back time's coming up, so. <laughs> yeah. And she also knows her angles, which is always very good in an actress. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, you're right, Emma, they could have done so much more with it. Like, even actually just having a scene inside the dressing room and having, like, Hilda merrily sewing away on the sewing machine and Uncle Deadly lurking behind her or something. And then there was that whole business with George where he said that he dressed up, but obviously we hadn't seen any of that at all. Not at once. I thought I might have looked at my phone and missed a moment, because no. I'm not going to lie, I kind of was only glancing at this one. <laughs> Great. I thought, oh God, did I, well, can you blame me? I thought, did I just miss like a key scene where yeah. there was a double, you know, two ghosts running around or something? I'm really glad because I was pretty sure that I hadn't. <laughs> No, and no. I wasn't going to go back and check. No, and also what, sorry, what I was just going to say, what I thought was really weird was the fact that you had that bit where Kermit was talking to Uncle Deadly and then he literally turns around and he's like, no, it's a joke. It was George. I was like, yeah. you were just talking to him. <laughs> it was, it was so, I don't know. I It almost felt like it had been written by like, I don't know. Under duress? Oh, not under duress. I was going to say, like, kids, basically. Like, you know, like, when you just think, like, oh, and then we'll have a twist that it's George, and then it's not George. Scene. Like, I don't know, just, like, bizarre. 
so bizarre. It reeks of GCSE drama. It, Emma, it's not even GCSE drama. It's making up a story in the playground where you're like playing a game and you go, and then this will happen. And, and then we'll do this. And then this is going to happen. How dare, I will not even let GCSE drama be besmirched. <laughs> and that is a low bar to limp over. This was below GCSE drama. The only moment that I did like through this runner was, I think, maybe the first time a few of the Muppets get freaked out. I believe it's before Uncle Deadly even appears. And Gonzo and Fozzie are both talking to Kermit. And Gonzo does a little lean into Fozzie. And there's a nice bit of movement and characterization within the Muppets that mm-hmm. reminded me a bit of um, the moment in Muppet Treasure Island where they go, we're standing in a room with a dead guy. And they just go, <laughs> ah, and then flail about. Flailing yeah. Muppets, always funny. Not enough to make an entire runner out of. No, and and even with that, they didn't even play that right, I don't think, because the not that scene, but when you did get the reveal of Uncle Deadly, the framing was entirely off. Fozzie was saying to Kermit, like, oh, there's a Muppet standing behind you, but we could already see him. So we knew it wasn't Fozzie joking, but also we knew that the other Muppets could see him and they didn't freak out until Fozzie had finished talking. It's like, so you're not scared of him when he's just stood there, but when Fozzie's finished his little bit, now you're freaked out. Like, I don't know, the whole thing was just a mess, basically. It was a mess. A complete mess. Let's keep going. Maybe we can get this whole episode done in a lean 50. (laughs) (laughs) Treat ourselves. Treat ourselves. (laughs) And the listeners, frankly. If anything, I feel like we should put a warning at the beginning of the episode saying, do you know what? Maybe just skip this one. What if we just released an episode (laughs) where we just stopped talking right now and just released a two-minute disclaimer where we went, listen, guys. We watched this episode. <laughs> we think you could do something more interesting and exciting with the 28 minutes of your life that you will not get back. Or in your cases, an hour! <laughs> what we could say is, don't watch it. Just listen. Just listen to us slapping oh, it off. That'll be look, fine. <laughs> look, it still counts as listeners, Jade. It still counts as <laughs> listens. Even if it's only a three-minute episode. We'll break them up. <laughs> oh. uh, I did enjoy... Gonzo introducing Twiggy when he called her branchy, barky, and leafy before Fozzy reminded <laughs> that him. That was gold. <laughs> Twiggy. <laughs> Best part so far. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. And then we moved on to a number that I can only describe as <laughs> Twiggy performs her own immemorium. That is exactly what I thought it was. That it was, exactly it was so weird. <laughs> I've written down Obit vibes in memoriam. <laughs> Why is she singing at her own funeral? <laughs> I have no idea. Why did they choose to show black and white images from her early modelling career next to her face in close-up? <laughs> so strange. It was so weird. It was so close. Like, so close. That close-up, if you could, like, get any closer. And it was just so alarming (laughs) you couldn't get that close up with today's cameras because you'd literally be able to count like the pause on her face like it was only due to the the dodgy tech of the 70s that that has like you know not turned into a complete night well any more of a nightmare than it already is i know and my favorite bit was when obviously they started with the press conference and they're like the two nose reporter guy and she's only got one nose but i loved how she 
then did her well, flicked the hair. Yes. Then it moved into the song. That was great. Appreciated that. Also the fabulous three-piece suit she was wearing. It was red velvet. It had a waistcoat. It was high-waisted. It was very um, Kate Blanchett's outfits from Ocean's 8. Yeah. So yeah, at first I was like, oh, ooh, what's going to happen here? This is exciting. Is it a sketch? Is it going to be a fun jazzy number? And then Twiggy died. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Twiggy. <laughs> Who are the most important people in your life? Yeah, and what about the places? Oh, yeah. There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed. Forever, not for better. Some have gone and some remain. All these places had their moments with lovers and friends. I still can recall some are dead and some are living in. The setup was just bizarre. Like, why have this press conference set up? And then she just goes into the song. And the whole time I was waiting for the Muppety twist or to return to the press conference. At least, you know, at least that. And it never came. She just kept singing and we kept seeing pictures of her... (laughs) On the catwalk. <laughs> on the catwalk with her cat, with, I assume, her father, who, considering the line that they got to in the song, I think may be dead. It was it was very odd. Or her grandfather. I suppose she was still quite young. Yeah. Unfathomable choice. I don't... Surely there's a song about a woman who's pretty or attractive, you know, <laughs> pop music, or a song about a model or modelling. Think Pink from funny face do you know what i mean something like that twiggy singing with a bunch of pink muppets in a fashion show twiggy modeling for a photographer just anything but a ballad where she (laughs) sang to pictures of herself and yet another rubber soul album track you know just to are you (laughs) fucking kidding me <laughs> was there some sort of licensing break Maybe. in 1976 that Rubber Soul was suddenly out of copyright, so they just jumped? That's the... Or maybe it was like a buy three get one, like buy Discount. two get one free or something. I don't know. Like <laughs> bizarre, so strange, so strange. And again, no Miss Piggy. Can you imagine? Twiggy and Miss Piggy in a number. I mean, she that... wasn't in the entire episode, was she? No. no, she wasn't. She wasn't in it at all. Jesus Christ. Not at all. She's been missing for a few weeks now, actually, hasn't she? What is happening in the Muppet Writers' Room? <laughs> I need <laughs> to go in there and have a stern word. <laughs> well, we're going to need a time machine, but yeah. <laughs> Emma, I'd rather just use my time machine to go back to 7.20pm so I didn't watch this. <laughs> just rush into the room, cause a paradox and say, Lewis, don't watch it! And <laughs> just shut the door and disappear. <laughs> <sighs> um, 
Uh, can I just let you know something else about this song? If you must. Got all the tidbits about the songs today. Mojo, do you remember that magazine? No idea if it still exists or not, I'll be honest. In 2000, they voted this the best song of all time ever. Who was writing for Mojo? <laughs> let alone who was writing for The Muppet Show? I mean, what? What? <laughs> I know, I know. What? I mean... To be fair, I've never heard like... the original Beatles version. Maybe. I mean, it's better than this, obviously. <gasps> you think? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it's the greatest song of all time ever. No. Look, Somehow. we've already got one page down. I've only got two more pages of notes left. We're cracking through this. <laughs> Let's move on. Right. Ugh. Backstage two. Discussed that. That's fine. Let it snow. Here's a question. Why didn't they make this a Christmas episode? Well, okay, I think one thing is that obviously I guess where it's syndication, everyone could show it in different orders. So I, I, I understand them not doing specifically themed episodes, but the fact that this is in here makes me think that they already had an idea it was going to be on at Christmas in the UK, at least. So, But also, surely even by that point in television, so what, 1976, nearly 1977... Reruns have been happening maybe for about a decade. Why, you know, audiences would be familiar with things being out of sequence Mm. or seeing Mm. things again. And surely other shows have done Christmas episodes at that point, particularly American sitcoms. I can't believe that they wouldn't have done. Why, as a writer's group, when you're in your first season of a show, you're nearing the end and you're maybe a bit tired and running out of ideas, would you not just go, it's Christmas at the Muppet Theatre? They're trying to put on a Christmas gala. Something about presents getting lost. Something about having to buy gifts. Something about Santa Claus. Anything. (laughs) Why? Wayne and Wanda just wanted to sing Let It Snow, Lewis, okay? That was that was all they wanted for Christmas. There was no Mariah. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm with you. I think, I think there's so many other things you could do with Twiggy, of which you've already named tons of them. But even if they didn't want to do that, they could have done a more thematic episode. I mean, also, it's just the fact that the runner had absolutely no bearing on what was going on on stage at all. And it really felt like Twiggy was genuinely, like, I don't even know. It felt like she was on a separate soundstage, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, there yeah. was no there was no talking across the, the runner and the sketches and the songs and then, and then throwing Let It Snow in with Wayne and Wanda. Like, I don't know. It was just very, very strange. The only thing I did like was that Wayne and Wanda did acknowledge that something had gone wrong and that it had been deliberately done by somebody else very clearly. Which feels like something they should have hit on a while ago by now as people. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, Maybe they're really dumb. Maybe Um. from the point where somebody literally painted a chemical refinery on the back of their set. (laughs) That should have been probably the sign that somebody is against them in this theatre. I also really enjoyed Wanda's uh, red cape and hood and... Uh, oh, it was darling, Jade. It was darling, but still. Lewis, you've got to find the uh, the nuggets of, of good in this episode, okay? Like, there's they are few and... We just led into this discussion by me saying something positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Emma, I think you're going to have to lead us into this next sketch because I don't think I can even... 
I don't think I can even. Yes. Um, well, what to say? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we start with uh, Gonzo and Muppy in bed, ready for a bedtime story. Already bizarre. Continue. Already bizarre. And then... It was weird. Carry on. It was weird. It was cute. But it was, it was cute and weird <laughs> in equal parts. And then in comes Twiggy. And uh, then we start a kind of little chat between them and then we go into the king's breakfast a poem by a.a mill and she starts off by saying well i've rehearsed it so we're going into it and all i have to say is what happened to the queen's face it's like mildred's face had been eaten and then some weird replacement head had been put on top of the body it was so bizarre it was like some sort of like i said earlier 70s children's fantasy psychedelic tv show like trippy nursery rhyme vibe i mean the only good thing was that they had some very nice china on the the table the uh, royal albert (laughs) of course emma noticed that (laughs) of course i did use that history degree emma Yeah, was but that the I preservation mean, of uh, precious objects as well, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought, but I just thought it was a hot mess. <laughs> nightmare, absolute nightmare. It wasn't even that it was just children's television. It was the kind of television that I remember watching as a child and being like, this is condescending. Obviously, I didn't know the word condescending, but watching it as a child, I'd be like, oh, they're trying to talk to me as a child. This is annoying. And this is on an early evening family variety show. What the hell did parents make of this? Grandparents? Adults? See... Who was this for? I felt like they were playing with all of that, though. I felt like it wasn't... This was honestly, like, one of the bits that I enjoyed the most out of the whole episode. I thought the wow. puppets were really lovely. Like, they were... Hated them. I thought they were scary. They were so stylized in a way that we don't normally see on The Muppet Show. And I really... I just thought they were really, really beautiful. There was a, a level of detail in their costume. And like you were saying, Emma, with the way that the king was, like, all round. And then the queen was all sort of, like, angular and long and everything. Like, I really... I liked that they'd... I like that they were playing with those kind of differences. And I just thought the design of them was really, really lovely. The set, okay, can take or leave the set. But obviously we know that the budgets aren't huge and that most of the sets are pretty basic, aren't they? So like, fine. But I just felt like the whole thing was playing on, I guess, that kind of like watch with mother children's show thing. I guess it it wasn't fully sending it up, but I felt like there was a sort of knowingness to it that that at least made it just kind of no i get what you know i get what you're saying but i don't know i don't know if i agree when i think back a few episodes ago to an episode with candace bergen mm. where the sketches in there are kind of acknowledging her feminism and acknowledging yeah. the women's lib movement that feels knowing it's a bit rough because it's the 70s but it's knowing I didn't feel like they were winking at it or playing it up even, you know, and they could have very easily gone for, you know, a carry-on style saucy milkmaid, which thank God they didn't, but it didn't even have that to it, breaking through the innocence of the thing with, oh, look, it's Twiggy. And I appreciate what you're saying about the puppets. They were very different. I didn't care for them, but I appreciate their difference. They just kind of creeped me out a bit. 
But I just kept thinking, why are we here? Why is this happening? It just feels as if they didn't want to write anything. So they just took something that already existed and made it into a Muppet segment. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I take that. It's totally valid. I guess I sort of took it at face value <laughs> and just was like, it is something different that we haven't massively seen before. Mm. I liked how they did it, basically, I guess. Like, I think they could have definitely played it up a little bit more, but I also kind of like the fact that it was just Twiggy <laughs> doing a bedtime story that was an A.A. Milne poem. I was actually shocked at the end when it cut back to the the bedroom scene because they hadn't done that with the press conference and so I was like oh okay we are we are sort of putting a a nice end on this with this one so so with that I mean I guess even they could have played with that a bit more you could have had like some of those chickens or Rolf or Gonzo or whatever like it would have been quite interesting if they had suddenly appeared as if they were listening like on the actual set of mm. the the king's breakfast or something like that would have taken it in a completely different direction but it might have been quite funny and then i suppose they also could have taken it in the direction of having the interruptions like when rolf's been doing his poems before oh, yeah. and cutting back and forth to like the bedroom with people asking questions or coming in or something like they could have done more with it but as i said a minute ago there were very few things in this episode that i was really like I've actually enjoyed that. But this bit, I was fine with it. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, it's certainly not my favourite bit in the whole of The Muppet Show season one or anything, but it was, there was enough in it for me to enjoy, I guess. Now look, did I laugh when <laughs> the cow with its <laughs> hoof, hoof hand <laughs> handed Twiggy <laughs> a bucket of butter? Yes, obviously, because apparently the cow suddenly had opposable thumbs and you could also hear <laughs> it awkwardly clanking behind the set yes. as the puppeteer handed it up limply, which is always great. And that they couldn't even be bothered to do a second take to, to, to get... Nope, moving on! <laughs> Cut, print, done. <laughs> Not doing this again. That was the only moment that raised a, raised a laugh for me, unfortunately. I also wrote down, do they have any idea what to do with Twiggy? And I'm not sure, because obviously she can sing. She can sing fairly well. But it's all just so sedate and weird. I don't know. I don't get it. She seems fun. She seems funny. Get her in an Eliza Doolittle outfit getting, singing like, all I want is a room somewhere. She's a cockney. And she can sing. I don't know why I'm suddenly trying to pitch ideas into the ether for a Twiggy episode <laughs> of The Muppet Show. But... Twiggy, if you're listening, let us know what you pitched. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, no, completely. It's, I, I mean, I guess this felt like they'd got her to do this because she is British. And we know that Jim Henson loves A.A. Milne. So I don't know whether it was just the delight of being able to have a British person read... The King's Breakfast was just sort of I mean, enough, not, you know? Yeah. Not to be rude, but to be honest, I think A.A. A. Milne might have just been a bit of a one-hit wonder with Winnie the Pooh, because all of this other stuff I'm seeing, I ain't loving. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Call it a controversial take, but I think <laughs> I think maybe Disney did him a favour, to be honest. So, <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right, moving on. 
I feel like I want to ding a bell <laughs> every moment we're getting closer to the end. <laughs> the ballroom sketch. Once again, further confirmation that Statler and Waldorf are a couple. But the pink taffeta line was what got me. I know. <laughs> it was hysterical. <laughs> oh, he would have looked fabulous. <laughs> they should zhuzh up their outfits with some pink taffeta. That would be amazing. I can never hear the word taffeta without thinking of the uh, Lady Gaga song Donatella from Born This Way, where she just goes, taffeta. Just just quietly plays in my head whenever somebody says taffeta. Not that they often say that around, you know. (laughs) I know for next time, Lewis. I thought you were going to say I went to school with somebody called taffeta. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. It was a different world at that school. (laughs) Not to my knowledge, we didn't have a taffeta, but... (laughs) Tool, taffeta, it's time for you to go on your play date with corduroy. Oh dear. How long did it take you both to get the Sam the Eagle joke? A couple of seconds. But yeah, yeah, it was, I was like, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) See, I sort of went, what? Illegal, illegal, ill, eagle. (laughs) Oh, so maybe my brain just needed to switch back on because it had turned off during the King's Breakfast. Maybe that that was it rebooting and re-engaging. I did enjoy Frank Oz making sure that he got in there, though, with, I didn't write this stuff. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He's like, disclaimer. Disclaimer. (laughs) It's going on my showreel and I want everyone to know I didn't write it. Whereas I do the opposite. I go, I also wrote this. I'm very talented. (laughs) Very talented. And available. I don't really know if we've got anything else to say about the ballroom now that we haven't already said for like the rest of the season. The screeching woman was back. We loved her. That was great. I was going to say that was the one, the one thing I enjoyed really was, was my screechy lady saying she hasn't sold any of her lullabies. (laughs) She wouldn't be, uh, be being booked on YouTube for ASMR. No, but I guess the joke of Screechy Lady is that she'd be gamely doing that. And I'm wondering why she didn't have any hits. Welcome to my ASMR channel, where I will quietly talk to you about your day. (laughs) 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 That was a mistake. Oh god, I think we might need to take a break. Do you need some water? <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Uh Emma, while Lewis is away, anything to add about the ballroom sketch? Uh, it was quite I nice to see. I can still hear you. <laughs> it was quite nice to see Kermit in there with um Mary well, we said Mary it was Mary Louise. Louise. Yeah. And then yeah. obviously when it got flung onto the chandelier. That was quite comical, but yeah, it was it was pretty standard fare, wasn't it, to be honest? I'm back. Thank you. <laughs> was it meant to be George dressed up as Mary Louise? I don't think it was meant to be George, but I don't know. Was that Mary Louise the same Muppet that we've seen Mary Louise before? Because No, definitely not. No. That threw me when he was like, Mary yeah. Louise. I was like, wait, who is this? It's just <laughs> a weird Muppet with a wig on. <laughs> Which made me wonder, retrospectively, slash just now whether it was george doing his 
dressing up and mucking about kind of thing. I think you might be giving them too much credit, Lewis, but I guess yeah. it could have been. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, the one thing I did notice, though, because Jim was obviously being Kermit, Waldorf had a different voice. He did. I don't know. Yeah. I did, I did clock it. Mm. But then... The quality control in a ballroom sketch is so variant anyway. <laughs> yes. And we've already had most of a season of a Richard Hunt Miss Piggy turning up in some of them. So for two lines of a ballroom sketch, I was just going to let it slide, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was you know, hardly worth commenting on compared to the other trash we're having to talk and sift through in this this week. Right. Sorry, Lewis. <laughs> I, well... I thought it was worth mentioning just because I don't think I've <laughs> ever heard Statler and Wardorf not talking with what's meant to be their puppeteering voice, I guess. Yeah, I do mean it like, Jade, you are free to bring up whatever you like. It is one third <laughs> your podcast. <laughs> no, it's all right. I didn't mean it that way. I just, <laughs> it's just like when he started talking, I was just like, you don't sound right. You're not the, <laughs> you're not the curmudgeonly old man that sits in the box. Who are Ooh, you? Oh, nice use of the word curmudgeonly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Shall we Shall we move along to Rolf and his minuet in G major by Beethoven in the UK spot? Full disclosure to my other two podcast hosts. I pretty much looked at Twitter for this entire sequence. Oh, that means you miss Rolf's lovely little performance. Well, I heard the music, Jade, but no, I didn't watch the dog puppets slowly play the piano. I mean, I saw him peering at the sheet music a bit and that was cute, but did I miss anything drastic? <laughs> I mean, that was pretty much it, but he just, I thought it was... <laughs> so I got the gist. <laughs> you got the gist. Emma, I, seeing as I'm guessing you actually watched it with me, um, <laughs> I thought it was a really cute performance of Rolf. He was really reading the sheet music and he was like really trying to get the music right and... It just sort of brought another layer to him as a musician, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was really, I mean, you know, you guys know I love Rolf. So anytime he's on We screen, all love Rolf, but you really love Rolf. I really love Rolf. <laughs> but yeah, no, he was super cute. And he was, he was like really studying the sheet music. And you could mm. really tell he was like trying really, really hard to play it. But it was just a shame that he was doing like another instrumental. Mm. I miss Veterinarian's General Hospital. What's happening? <laughs> Why is he not playing Dr. Bob? Like, come on. <laughs> it did feel like a bit of a shame that in this episode in particular, there wasn't a slightly stronger UK spot. Mm. Because if ever an episode needed a little, a little lift... Just a, just a quick little lift. And instead we got decorative piano... Yeah, the dullest piece of piano music I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I know, and also they used like the real blooming candlestick thing again. I was like, oh, candle. he's gonna go up in flames. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't even playing the piano with such ferocity that it was shaking about like it had before because it was a dull piece of piano music. <laughs> he's very cute, but it's just I don't need it. It, well, I couldn't even picture myself in a jazz bar or a piano bar or something. It felt like the preamble music to Twiggy's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> like we're all waiting to take our seats, wondering why there's an enormous screen of pictures of Twiggy on it, but also a microphone stand. <laughs> <laughs> of all the UK spots, entirely forgettable. 
Like, it was cute to watch him play and, and take it seriously, but yeah, it was not anything special or memorable at all. Moving from the sedate to the downright bizarre. <laughs> I think this was the point where, had I not already fully clocked out, we then get Venderface. Venderface. What is Venderface? It clearly looks like a vending machine that gives you facial features, but no, it's a psychiatrist. <laughs> what? It's not like even the name makes any sense. It's not a pun. It's not a nope. joke. I just, nope. I was like, what? <laughs> it was so strange. So weird. From the moment those strange little robotic eyes opened up and it started talking, and why is Fozzy there? And is this a sketch for the audience? Is this mm. a vending machine on the outdoors of the Muppet Theatre? Why? <laughs> yeah, completely. It it It's not... I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense at all, does it, really? There's no there's no contextualisation, there's no sense of... There's, there's just nothing. There's just nothing. Why would you not make this a Muppet Labs, where mm, Dr yeah. Bunsen Honeydew has built a therapy robot, and he tests it out, and then the same things could even happen. Even if it had just that, that yeah. preamble, yeah, yeah. I would have forgiven this a lot more. But because it was <laughs> built into a brick wall, like it was some sort of ATM machine, it, it, it just made no sense. You have scientists in your cast who build things. <laughs> They have development funding, for Christ's sake. We know this. <laughs> we have the technology. <laughs> we can rebuild him. Also, why did it strangle Fozzie at the end? I found that really disturbing. What purpose was it that? It was weird. So strange. Nah, 1970s oh. Doctor Who has, trust, taught, has taught me never trust a robot. So I was just waiting for some weird little, uh, you know, <laughs> hand or gizmo or something to limply grab hold of. Well, I say limply, it was choking Fuzzy to death. It was. Fuzzy, <laughs> I'm guessing somebody rounded that corner and found Fuzzy pretty quick because otherwise he was not going to survive. It was a very, very strange insert into an already pretty bizarre episode of television. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it felt like such filler, but bizarre filler, that they couldn't even find any sort of through line or cohesion from sketch to backstage to moment. It was almost like the cut-offs and end bits of random episodes that they'd run out of time mm, for. Yeah, just stitched together. And hadn't filmed yet. Yeah. Just chucked together. I would have preferred a clip show. I genuinely think I would have preferred a clip show. Well, if, yeah, if the clips were of, like, the actual highlights of the Muppet show so far, it would have been... Oh, yeah. You know. Great. Ton tons better. <laughs> Lovely. And it would have been made more sense in 1976 because they haven't got video to watch it again. All they'd have to do is wait for another rerun. Give them a clip show. <laughs> Before we go into Muppet Newsflash, I just want to give a quick mention to this part of the backstage runner where Hilda gave... A genuinely blood-curdling scream, and I thought like someone had effectively like lost a limb or something. I don't know if you two clocked it. There's been a murder. Yeah, I mean, it was just like it honestly sounded like she'd been run over by a car or something. I mean, talk about like 
you were saying earlier about Wanda, like Hilda was making the most of that screen. She was fully committed. It was like something out of um, Murder, She Wrote, you know, where they do cut away. Someone's dead. Scream. It was, it was chilling. Chilling. It was... Chilling indeed. And again, just another bizarre moment in this episode where you're going through this bizarre pantomime of a ghost and then you get a really legitimate sounding scream yes. just to really throw you off kilter. I, I thought we were having fun with this ghost and now suddenly <laughs> Hilda's having a heart attack. <laughs> Hilda is dead. End of it. <laughs> no. Ugh. Muppets newsflash. What was this? What, what, I just, I, like, I don't know, the only bit, the only bit I enjoyed out of it was when she ate the microphone. Yep, that was great. Yep, that was great. That was a lovely touch. I mean, I was slightly concerned with Twiggy's health at that point, because who knows what they used to paint that, whatever that was she ate. (laughs) Lead paint on it. Lead paint, It's whatever they put on the first uh, Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz, (laughs) the one that almost killed that guy. (laughs) Sheer mercury. (laughs) We just we just emptied MGM's finest mercury. (laughs) Scrub scrub here, scrub scrub there. Why haven't you got any skin? Oh dear. Uh, yeah, but the Lola Thomas eats a tractor. As soon as as soon as he said, "How was it done?" I just thought, oh, for God's sake, it's that's the punchline we're going to. It's yeah. just a medium rare. Medium I thought, rare. She, oh. <sighs> but yeah. it also, I like it didn't fully even as a joke. I wasn't even sure that the whole thing even massively worked because she said that she had iron deficiency, and then she was just listing like doorknobs and tractors and things, and you're just like. Are they particularly made of iron? Maybe in the 70s. <laughs> Maybe in the 70s. I don't know. Maybe that's something that doesn't work the now. A pair of iron doorknobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, she could have at least eaten an actual iron. At least then that would have been like some vague wordplay anyway. I suppose so. And even Twiggy couldn't be bothered to put on an accent in Accent Showcase. <laughs> I don't know if Twiggy can do an accent, can she? <laughs> well, I assume she must be able to do RP if she was in The Boyfriend. I think the boyfriend, they're either American or high-class British. Well, <laughs> clearly she couldn't be bothered. She was, couldn't be bothered. She had, like, some nice glasses on, though, or something. Was she wearing... Mm. Did she have some eyewear on? I couldn't work out if it was eyewear or makeup. Yeah, she had glasses on, I think, didn't she? Yeah. Again. Okay. Again. I may have someone checked out. Lewis, were you even in the room for this? <laughs> Unfortunately, Jade, I was. <laughs> What, hiding behind the sofa? <laughs> Asleep behind the sofa, more like. <laughs> Although, after the last inane bit of business backstage, I probably would have been sent behind the sofa if it weren't pressed up against a wall, because we got the return of the Hick Muppets. And our hillbilly singer with his long... Long oh, legs. The long... I don't even know how to describe them. They just look lifeless. I mean, they're clearly just stuffing, aren't they? It's like a scarecrow. Yeah, or like a Guy Fawkes figure or something. It's just like, oh, it's so weird. It's so weird. I don't think he ever comes back, by the way. uh... (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) And please don't hold me to that. If he does now come back, that's not my fault, okay? It is. It's because you would have willed him back into existence, Jade. (laughs) In the 70s. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, ain't nobody's business but my own. Ladies and gentlemen, the down-home sound of the incomparable Twiggy. You got a girl you love a Sunday, then you got another a Monday. That ain't nobody's business but my own. Sitting by the phone waiting for your call, you're out somewhere having a ball. That ain't nobody's business but my own. Nobody's business. I even didn't even like the version of this song, which I do like. There's a really good Ella Fitzgerald and mm-hmm. Louis Armstrong version of this song, which is fun and jazzy. And instead, they send it off to the goddamn farm with these hick muppets. Oh, I just kept thinking, if I was Twiggy, <laughs> which, as I often do, <laughs> if I were Twiggy, <laughs> I would feel embarrassed to have been in this episode. Every sketch that I would have featured in, I'm either wearing a weird maid's outfit a horrible cowboy outfit or singing a song to pictures of myself i don't get to really do anything fun or silly it's all just a bit blair i would have felt shortchanged what i found really weird about this is that this was obviously the one that she could have had the most interaction with the muppets in and they were still just sat on a wall with the jug band around her and there was still very very little actual interplay and interaction with the Muppets I just didn't understand I don't know what they were going for with this and also I just I still don't understand why they got her to do this in that country style like it's so and I'm not- sure Twiggy was asking her agent why did you get me to do this <laughs> <laughs> I mean I don't know about you two but the last thing I think I would associate with Twiggy is like country and western bumpkin no <laughs> it's just not her at all no. is it why no, it's really it was a really weird choice the only thing i can think of is maybe it was for promotion and she had a record out and she was trying to get a wider audience i don't know like trying to crack what you you think she was trying to get a country qu- crowd emma with this <laughs> well, i don't maybe you think she was trying to break the midwest market <laughs> middle america <laughs> <laughs> but even then, I thought when they were saying, uh, oh, you know, for Enid, Kansas or whatever it was, or wherever they said it was in Kermit's I think they said Oklahoma, didn't they? Enid, Oklahoma. That I thought, oh, wow, maybe Twiggy's got a really good, you know, like Jim Neighbors, a country voice on her or a soul voice on her. No, it's just her exact same singing voice. But instead we hear less of it than her solo number because she's got hick Muppets around didn't even really put on much of a twang not a twang (laughs) yeah i well i'd be curious to know if there is anything that she's ever said publicly about doing the muppet show and whether she oh i would try to bury this so quickly if i were twiggy (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine like everyone's saying muppet show's back on disney plus and she's like don't watch it why (laughs) why why what's wrong with it don't no no it's just oh you know the muppets they're they're terrible terrible i mean i i would just like to know whoever was like the booker for this show like do they sit with like a clipboard and decide who they like how do they come up with who is going to be on the show because it's such an eclectic mix of people emma god bless i think it's whoever's in london town for the dates that they probably got another engagement and they think, hey, can we borrow you for two days to come shoot the Muppet show? 
the first season I think is particularly eclectic because they obviously they hadn't made a name for themselves or anything at that point so it was effectively like the producers contacts so it was people that they knew they did bring people over specifically for it but I think also it obviously was a bit of kind of like oh does it work for you to come over and do it at this time but I think I mean we know because you can see who's on the the later seasons Mm. it becomes a lot more the people who obviously a want to be there but b have something to bring to the Muppet show that's not just I don't know Harvey Corman or whatever (laughs) (laughs) but but I think also the other thing to think about as well is that the writers change clearly a lot of the issues with this is that the writing is just so bad or non-existent you know like you were saying about the King's Breakfast Lewis it's like they just went let's take an A.A. Milne poem and bring it to life and that's yeah that'll save us four minutes of writing yeah Yeah. and also even like doing a tiny little press conference and then her singing a song and then like with this it's like there's actually very little writing in this episode at all really because she's most of the time she's just singing so Mm. I think a lot of it comes down to the writing but I would still stand by Twiggy being a good get for the Muppet show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. But what a waste. Yeah. Yeah. What a waste. Just a complete waste of her talent and and what she can bring. In a way, again, I think it's actually a shame maybe that she didn't come on a future season because I think potentially I'm hoping that we see that when the writing gets a bit stronger, maybe that, you know, maybe there'll be an episode in season three or something that we'll watch and we'll go, this could have been what Twiggy did. Mm. This is like the sort of thing that could have really made Twiggy... I don't want to say sing because she's already doing enough of that. But yeah. shine. Really I make just, her shine. I mean, and, and you know, a bit like I said earlier, I just don't understand why Miss Piggy is not in this episode. Yeah. That really could have weird. produced so much material. Yeah. It would have been like, they could have had like a fashion show off. They could have, you know, it could have been anything. It would have been so good. It would have been. But Piggy's not there yet, is she? No. She's not. Well, she isn't like. They've kind of got her there a bit. Not with fashion though, I don't think. No. I mean, she's been pretty much still been in that same blue gown the whole season. Mm. So I think like, she's not the sort of fashion icon that she obviously is now. Indeed. You know. Even without that, they could have still done something more along the lines of the Lena Horn episode or whatever, like a bit of rivalry or or maybe even Piggy was trying, you know, because we don't know Piggy to be fashionable. Maybe Piggy was trying to learn fashion yeah. from Twiggy or something. I think, gang, it's time for us to stop <laughs> giving what ifs and what could have beens and settle with where we are and get this over and done with. <laughs> <laughs> and like Twiggy's funeral get this done in a lean two minutes with the musical number. Emma, who was your MVMP for the week? Well, to be honest, I found it quite difficult to try and work out who my MVMP would be for this week. It was quite nice to see Gonzo have a little bit more screen time, but I wasn't quite sure if I was going to give him MVMP. So I think even though we haven't spoke about him a lot, I am going to give it to Uncle Deadly. Just because I know we've said the runners were pretty terrible, but he was quite funny when he was coming on. And then especially in the end of the runners when he was doing his like hammy act a bit and sort of saying, you know, I died on stage and, you know, I'm just going to haunt the Muppet Theatre forever. And there were a couple of nice reactions and like some bits with Kermit and him, which were quite good. And to be honest, since we were lacking quite a lot of like 
Muppet and guest interaction on the main stage, it was nice to see him come along and it was just nice to see someone a bit different. So yeah, I think for this week and for this episode, my MVMP is going to be Uncle Deadly. How about you, Jade? So I was the same as you, Emma. I was really struggling with my most valued Muppet performer because I didn't really feel like anyone shined particularly strongly Mm. in this episode at all. I did consider Uncle Deadly for largely the same reasons that you've just said. And as I said earlier, he was the best part of the runner. And I actually think the runner could have just been improved by having more of him in it in general. That would have given them a lot more to play off of rather than having those repeated jokes. But I was thinking about it and I was like, who haven't I given it to yet? And I decided that my MVMP for this week because she doesn't have a name, I'm calling her our lullaby queen. Uh, I'm giving it to our screechy <laughs> little whatnot at the dance. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's probably one of the only times that I actually laughed in the whole episode was her complaining about not selling any of her three lullaby albums that she has. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And I'm guessing she's probably going to disappear when the ballroom sketch disappears, which... You know, I suppose I'd probably rather not have the ballroom sketch on balance, but she's a very cool, funny little Muppet and I will miss her screeches. <laughs> so That's such a good choice. I ho- I can't remember if I have chosen her as my MVMP before. I feel like you might have right at the start of the season. Maybe I did. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure, I think you might have done at the start, Lou. It seems very unlike me that I wouldn't have chosen some screeching blonde <laughs> Harridan. <laughs> really? No, that was rubbish. <laughs> no, I won't do it no, again. Do My it throat again. is still recovering. <laughs> so, Lewis, who is your MVMP for this week? Scraping the barrel, it is going to be the purple fuzzy guy from the first number, but only when he comes off stage and talks like he's Blanche Dubois. (laughs) And that's it. That's my MVMP for the week. (laughs) Let's get our rankings done. (laughs) I can't believe we're getting this done so quickly. I'm actually quite excited now. (laughs) I love doing the podcast, but it's not when we have to talk about crap like this. Jade, (laughs) what would you give this mess out of 10? I don't know. I think this is really, really weak and... There was not a lot to love in it at all. So I'm going to go with three and a half. Let it work. Let it work. Let it works. <laughs> because <laughs> I... Shouldn't that be let it work, let it work, let it work, let... Maybe. Let... <laughs> <laughs> let it. Let it. <laughs> let it. Um, yeah. I mean, we've basically talked about the bits I liked already. I did enjoy the King's Breakfast. I thought those puppets were beautiful. And I had a perfectly enjoyable time with it. I liked Uncle Deadly and we had cute moments like Rolf at the piano and stuff, but there just wasn't enough in this episode to make it work. And it was bizarre. Having now seen this, I worry about when we do get Twiggy's in memoriam, because I'm going to be constantly comparing it to this episode, uh, which is not great. (laughs) But Uh. that's what you get for doing your own in memoriam in the 70s. Okay, that's what you get. So It's like Jenna Marodi turning up on 30 Rock and singing at her own funeral. <laughs> 39, not dead. Sorry, Jack. The opening threw me off. Her version of In My Life was bizarre. The newsflash didn't make me laugh. And then finishing with Ain't Nobody's Business But My Own, just like, meh. What a waste of Twiggy. So yeah, 
three and a half, let it work, let it work, let it... Yeah. Uh, Lewis, what's your rating for this episode? I'm honestly debating between one or two opposable hoofs <laughs> out of ten. Maybe two because he had two opposable hoofs. Two opposable hoofs out of ten. Because Twiggy seemed fun. I loved her suit. Didn't mind the first sketch. Her hair was nice. It's nice to see Gonzo a bit more this week. <laughs> Hilda and um, Wanda had good screams. <laughs> good screams. Scream queens. Um, uh, screechy lady. <laughs> screechy lady. Screechy lady. Sam the Eagle no, you're just, was there. No, you're just naming my just bits. Naming, just <laughs> trying just to picture anything from this episode. <laughs> I'm like pulling on my leg hair at the same time, like some sort of weird tick. Just thinking, <laughs> um, you That's know, fine, it's okay. It was, it was, I never want to see that episode of television again. <laughs> ever. I would take eight seasons of Muppets Now <laughs> that I had to watch while I'm meant to sleep than have to ever watch this Twiggy episode again. Oh. And scene. Emma. <laughs> wow, I mean, I've got to follow that. Okay. Um. I mean, to be fair, Emma, it was me just looking off into the middle distance and just <laughs> saying words. I think you can come up with a more cogent criticism than that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so uh, my ranking for this episode, I think I'm going to join you, Jade, and give it three and a half duster monster things <laughs> out of 10 duster monster um things. to be fair Emma, that's all this episode deserves don't worry about it it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah i even found trying to find my thing hard this yeah, week it was it was hard <laughs> it was really hard it was just disappointing like you both said twiggy she's clearly was like game and actually brought a lot because like I said earlier I didn't even know she could sing or had records and she's got a you know she's got a fairly good voice and I just think they didn't use her in any way that just could have given us something different or like utilized her a bit more there wasn't really any interaction with the Muppets and the bits in between felt a bit like filler and I think it was just a shame because as we've got on the season, yeah, it has still been quite a mixed bag, but in terms of quality, they have been improving. And I think for the fact that we've gone back to this, it is it is a bit of a shame. But maybe like you've both said, and we've all said, possibly they were getting to the end of the road and they were like, you know what? I don't know what we need to do now. So let's just chuck some just random... fuck it, is what this episode was. <laughs> like, eh! <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> So yeah, this for this particular one, I'm going to give it three and a half duster monster things out of ten. I think you've both been so generous. Jade, please <laughs> so, end this. So <laughs> generous. You gave it one and a half more than you, Lewis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm a girl who has high standards. <laughs> oh dear. Jade, please close us out with a little uh, Muppet philosophy to lift us out of this funk. Okay, I've picked a I've picked a quote that a real sad quote. No, 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 no. I've picked a I've picked a nice uplifting quote because I thought this is it made me smile when I read it. So I thought I'd share that with everyone today. So this is from Jim Henson the biography by Brian J Jones, and it's a quote from Jim Henson's manager Bernie Brillstein talking about Jim, and he says. 
Jim inspired people to be better than they thought they could be, and more creative, more daring, more outrageous, and ultimately more successful. And he did it all without raising his voice. Oh, that is nice. And I'm just going to close this episode by telling a quick anecdote about Princess Margaret. So, (laughs) genuinely. So, (laughs) it makes sense, you'll see. Uh, So, one time, Princess Margaret was at dinner uh, with a bunch of fancy people, celebrities, and one of the guests at that party was Twiggy. And Twiggy had been placed right next to Princess Margaret at this dinner. Now, Princess Margaret could famously be quite difficult. During most of the dinner, Princess Margaret spent the entire evening defying protocol and talking to the person on the wrong side rather than Twiggy all evening, just chatting, chatting, chatting. Eventually, Princess Margaret turns round and looks at Twiggy and goes, and what's your name? And Twiggy's like, oh God, I'm not quite sure what to do. She's like, well... My name's Leslie, but um, most people call me Twiggy. And Princess Margaret looked her up and down and said, how unfortunate. And then just <laughs> turned back the other way for the rest of the evening. Boom. Oh, I love Princess Margaret. Maybe she just watched the episode of The Muppet Show and that's why she was ignoring her. She was like, you've just wasted half an hour of my damn life. <laughs> I'm sure the Queen Mother loved The Muppet Show and Princess Margaret just had to sit there with a stiff chin being like, what in God's name is this? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note thank you so much for listening to Muppet Sational if you enjoyed the episode don't forget to subscribe rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast you can follow us on social media we are at Muppet Sational on Instagram Twitter and Facebook you can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com we did it, guys! We made it through! We whoop, made whoop. it through, and now let us never speak of this episode again. Until next week, I have been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jake Turner! And I've been <laughs> Emma Chandler! Do not try and bring up the mood. I am keeping it deliberately low so we never make this mistake again. <laughs> we will see the, you next Make the mistake of watching the show that we've signed up know, to Jane. watch. <laughs> <laughs> signed up like it's a well right now I feel like I've signed up back with the devil Jade <laughs> with the devil and you were the horn rimmed demon that gave me the pen <laughs> I'm joking Ha-ha. I can't wait to see what we've who are we watching next week it's Ethel Merman it's Ethel Merman yeah. oh well cab joy can't wait alright we'll see you next week on Muppet Sational bye, bye. bye. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram.